Tune in every Wednesday at approximately 6.35 p.m. for Leadership Unlearned with your host, Maxine Atong, as she invites you to suspend all that you believe and know about leadership. We challenge you to take this unlearning journey with us as we reframe leadership for our reality and to serve our vision as Caribbean people. For more information, follow Maxine Atong on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Maxine Atong or call 724-7642. Welcome to Leadership Unlearned. In this program, we invite you, the listener, to examine all that you know and believe about leadership. When I speak about leadership, I am not only speaking about a role in an organization, I am speaking about what you may be doing in your family, within your community, or even on your football team. I am Maxine Atong. I am a Gestalt trained PCC level executive coach, a certified professional facilitator who leverages her 20 plus years as a certified management accountant to assist leaders become the leaders that they dream of being. On last week's program, we had Carmel Haynes in studio with us. And Carmel is the executive director of the Barbados International Business Association, BIBA. If you missed that episode, then you can check it on our podcast, Leadership Unlearned. Today, I'm really excited. And not many people excite me, but this gentleman does. I am really excited to be chatting today with Dr. Rama Naidu. Dr. Rama Naidu is an organizational development specialist. He works with leaders in South Africa and across the continent, ensuring that they can be the best leaders that they can be, as well as make an impact on the systems within which they work. If it sounds familiar to my tagline, it is because both Dr. Rama Naidu and I, we are both gestalt practitioners. So we have some things in common. <laughs> So joining us all the way from South Africa is Rama. Hi, Rama. Good evening, Maxine. Good afternoon. Good evening to your listeners. It's so exciting to hear your voice and to be here with you. And I know that you are the keynote speaker in the upcoming Gestalt Caribbean Leadership Conference. So on April 29th, 2021, we're really excited to have you. Thank you for joining us for the conference. Pleasure. And I know the conference theme is very important to you and actually it probably reflects your lived experience because you grew up in South Africa in the time of apartheid. Do you want to share a little bit of what that was like for you? Sure. That's that's a pretty deep cut for a question, Maxine, because mm. I think having a lived experience of it is different from the the theory and talking about it. Yes. So in South Africa, we had a institutionalized oppression. Mm. So the law said this is the way it would be, what job you would take, or where you could go with it. And that placed an extreme restriction on potential of all the human beings in the country. And so for us at a very young age, we recognized that, you know, we had actually had three choices, a, a teacher, a lawyer, or a nurse. Mm that was the choice of what we had and growing up in that in that kind of regime uh, sort of kept us in our place absolutely and and so it was embedded into our genes but when we had uh, after the struggle and we got our freedom in 1993 people expected that overnight 
we would now have a democracy and we equal and everything would be fine. And, and somehow Mandela's picture of the rainbow nation was just that, it was a picture, mm -hmm. something to aspire to. But at that point in my life, I was uh, already just starting to lead an organization called the Democracy Development Program to activate citizenship. And a lot of the work was around this notion of how uh, people of color found their agency that they mm -hmm. never had. And, and no way was it more important than in the workplace. Because what happened was a scramble for compliance. Let's get black faces on board. Let's bring more black people and diversity into our workforce without doing the work that I think was so important. Bring people in to show the quota. You know, in South Africa, we have a, a black economic empowerment initiative, which is legislated. So a lot of companies went the compliance route. Mm -hmm. They got companies to come in and say, Tell us how we comply with the regulations so that we're compliant. There was no, in my estimation, a genuine attempt to build this nation through equity in the workplace, mm -hmm. to supporting people of color who were seriously disadvantaged to achieve their potential. And, and we had to fight that because I, and I think uh, in doing that, uh, I think our biggest enemy was white people who were trying to save us. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I completely get that. And, and I get that, you know, so much, so much of what you said there landed on me in my post-colonial Caribbean experience. You know, so let's start with the last one. White people come in to save us because that's what the whole NGO sector is about in developing countries. You know, these people who are they're they're taking a year off from university, they come here they're more attractive than they've ever been because they're white. They are richer than they've ever been because their dollar is more secure. And so they enter into a space of unique privilege all at, this, all at the same time, you know, really patting themselves on the back with their savior complex because they are saving the natives. <laughs> I, I could not have said it better myself. And I think it, it, it's, it's not that the intentions are bad. No. Not that the intentions are bad, but just that they're not the Messiah. Yes, but we know the road, <laughs> was it the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So we know that for sure. So going back to this question of equity, something else that you raised was about that expectation that things will change overnight. And Mandela's vision of this rainbow country remained as a picture because it was difficult to translate that into the house. We, we knew what the what was, but the how wasn't identified. So just talk a little bit about the work that you do and how you ensure that the how is being followed. Yeah, so, I, I, and I think that the how part of it was where the wheels came off the bus. Mm. Uh, because people found a shortcut through it, through compliance. Let's meet the numbers, let's meet the targets and show that we are compliant. Yeah. And, and, and that meant it gave us a false sense that equity was there. We were becoming just that, you know, black people were getting more jobs. And so that superficial picture said, what are you guys talking about? We, everything is okay here. Yes. Yet yes. In, in, in my work, when I work corporate and in the, in the public benefit sector, when I speak to black people or people of color on their own, it's a very different conversation when I speak with people of color in a room with white folks. 
<laughs> and and this uh, that's so good because it reminds me about doing an um, an employee engagement survey, right? So when you're in a room with all the managers, the employees say one thing is like, yeah, this is an okay place to work. And when you're with them alone, which some managers actually resent, they tell you a completely different story. So I'm just thinking of how the similarities in terms of the position and in terms of who has power, you know, in your instance, it's a, it's a white versus black thing. And it all comes down to power. It all comes down to who has influence and who controls the wealth. And, and I, I, you know, I want to get, in, in my actual work, my consultancy is called Six Degree Shift. Yeah. And so when I enter a space, I ask people to commit to only one thing. Are you willing to make a six degree shift? And, and why? Six, to yeah. Tell me about a six degree shift. Well, six degree shift, I mean, the, the data shows that uh, there's just six points of separation between every human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. If I talk to a person who I completely don't know long enough, I will find the connection in the sixth conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I sought that idea and I said, you know, if connection is so important to us and it's so prevalent, why is it that we live in a world that's so fragmented, mm-hmm. so driven by self-interest, by greed, by disconnection and self-interest. And so my point was, you know, everyone says, no, I don't want that. But the reality is that's what's manifesting in the world more and more. Mm -hmm. My point is, wherever I go into a space, can I get people to at least become aware of their unconscious biases, of things they hold, their habits, their attitudes and their beliefs and wobble it a little bit so that people something shifts and they to say okay the needle has moved just a little bit and you can say your journey has started yeah. whatever that journey might be for each person but six degrees is a small amount and even white people are willing to commit to six degrees yeah so you go into you go into an organization and you go and you call the the workshop transformation you're wasting your time <laughs> <laughs> the resistance is very high yes so, so we, I, I found this to be a, an interesting way to find a, a common sense of, listen, I'm willing to be curious mm-hmm. about how we can work together to bring something to reality. And that commitment is enough. If we build on that, then we have a chance to create something. Otherwise, what happens is it sets up for contestation in the space and resistance and being polite. And it, we just have a nice, beautiful conversation but nothing happens, no impact. nothing yeah. changes, yeah. Yeah. nothing changes. Yeah. So what I love about that Rama, several things jump out to me. One, you're meeting them where they are so that they can go on a journey with you. You're using language that is not terrifying because you're not asking you to change or transform. You're just asking, hey, six degrees, how far? That, that's a little, little shift, right? So I love it. And then it sounds like you know how to make them take that journey in a way which is supportive, non-frightening. And I love the fact that even white people, which I imagine in your context, equals to the biggest resistors of change, they even, even they are willing to make a shift. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly so, it. So at this point, we are gonna take a short break and when we come back, we're gonna find out more from Dr. Rama Naidu of South Africa, the keynote speaker for upcoming Gestalt Caribbean Leadership Conference, which takes place on April 29th 
2021. The annual Gestalt Caribbean Leadership Conference is on April 29th, 2021. Join Dr. Rama Naidu of South Africa, Nancy Luna Jimenez from Portland, and Maxine Atong from the Caribbean as they explore leading with equity. Register now at MaxineAtong.com for the virtual event, which explores how we can ensure that there is equity in our societies and workplaces. Come to the conference, network with peers, visit the exhibition booths, host discussions, and interact with the presenters. Sponsored by Mini Cooper, UE Roytech, Knowledge Works Jamaica, Barbados International Business Association, Greater Tunapuna Chamber of Industry and Commerce, Institute of Internal Auditors of Trinidad and Tobago, Enhanced Business Solutions, and SSS Car Rentals Services. Register at maxinaton.com for Leading with Equity on April 29th, 2021. Welcome back to Leadership Unlearned. Today with me in studio via Zoom is Dr. Rama Naidu. Dr. Rama is a Gestalt-trained organizational development consultant who also works with leaders. He is going to be our keynote speaker at the upcoming Gestalt Caribbean Leadership Conference on April 29th, 2021. Welcome back, Rama. Good. Great to be here. Before the break, we were talking about the six degree shift that you ask people to make. And you know, what I thought about was this this whole systems idea that we're all connected, which is so beautiful. And now that the world has shrunk, so very true. So how do you go about making uh, that shift or helping people make that shift? Maxine, I, I, I've learned along the way that uh, in order to do this work, it calls upon each of us to one, turn up authentically as who you are. Mm. Not create a picture uh, of a mystical expert who knows all the answers. So vulnerability is a key thing to it. So I, I, I bring my lived experience into the space, not with the intention to make people feel guilty or to shame them, but to hear a story that they haven't heard because the stories they've heard have been incomplete. Mm. And, and they were victims of their own stories also because that's what they were brought up on. So they didn't see the other story. Yeah. So one of the first things I, I always try to say is that when I enter a room like that, it's never about shaming or making people feel guilty. It's about saying we're in this together, we're working in this company, in this country, in this community. And whether we like it or not, we have to see each other fully in that space. So what we see are the divisions and the lack of associational life. And if we did this, what would happen in this space? So in, in doing that, and by putting myself out there, and you being a fellow Gestalt person would know what this is, that I use my presence mm -hmm. as powerfully as I can to invoke and provoke mm -hmm. feelings and emotions and metaphors in the room. So people find a way to share their own stories, white or black, it's not important. And I found that in the sharing of the stories and to listen to it without judgment, but to understand and to respond from a head and heart space is the opening structure to have an authentic conversation. Yeah. Once we let go of judgment, I'm not going to be judged by what I say, then I can breathe because judgment is such a big thing for all of us, right? We just, it is. everything we say is judged. Yeah. And when I, when, when that breakthrough comes, uh, then we can do some real work. Then we can yeah. do some real work with it. What I love about that, Rama, is that it sounds like, you know, that it sounds so intimate. 
you know and, and that building of intimacy by you first being vulnerable into you i see into me you see intimacy and that idea of it so reinforces the idea of being seen and heard and how important it is for us to be able to work together to problem solve together to collaborate together and all those beautiful things it sounds like an emotional process is it it is an emotional process mm. uh, because what's happened in south africa anyway and i'm sure it's a lesson everywhere else is that if if you don't put yourself out there the conversation is not authentic it's polite mm. we we say the right things and it's just talk nothing changes in the room yeah but the moment you hear a story of someone who has been less privileged with you and it's just a story of their life they're not judging or saying just a story and you you're forced to listen fully and be fully present i've always found <clears throat> that the stories are more moving than a lecture about equity yes and you know I, yeah go ahead go ahead I think the idea is we talk about it and it sounds nice. Yeah. But I I found stories, people's personal stories. I think everyone has an equity story. Yeah. Everyone has a diversity story and it's bring those stories into the room as a starting point to have the conversation. And then how we structure that room in terms of as you rightly said create the emotional support for people uh to actually bring their emotions out in a powerful way. And this doesn't mean it because the soft soft piece kind of thing it doesn't in fact it takes great courage yes for people to actually put their stories out there and say i didn't know yeah and, and yeah and, and so i'm thinking about the way that you show up and and it sounds very much like you show up with a plug like like you are a socket for other people to plug into to learn about vulnerability because you show up with your story in your vulnerability and so you get others permission to be vulnerable and uh, definitely be in a cis male and showing that hey I can be vulnerable it doesn't have to look like what we think it looks like so it doesn't have to be soppy and crying and and weak it can look like this as well so I think it's really important about mirroring what you are inviting people to do because if not then they didn't they wouldn't know what it looks like of course our worst fears are realized and then we shut down One of the other things that I heard you say was about this you didn't use the word fear but but it it brought up the feeling of fear for me when you're talking about it when you're speaking about um people putting their stories out and listening to other people's story and the idea that we're not trying to blame or shame we're just sharing yeah and 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 that's so important because I think I think when we create that kind of space uh and we take remove the judgment from it Mm-hmm. we can get we can get some real work done yeah well, what do you define real work for me what do you mean by real work real work is to tackle the system mm. the, the structures that are keeping people trapped the structures that are invisible to many people hr policies <laughs> uh, policies of organizations promotions uh, transparency in organizations you know yeah we say the words yeah we know how this happens but in fact we don't look at the systemic issues you know the pan uh, uh, how you how do you set up panels yeah. what's the criteria for promotion it was uh, but you know that we always did it that way yeah so if if you want to if you want to work with equity then my goodness you better be ready for it there is no quick fix yes this and is I, this is a journey this is a journey absolutely so absolutely. 
absolutely and it, it's so beautiful and and you know I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about what you will share with us because you've shared so much today and um just give us a little snippet of what are you going to share on april 29th at the leading with equity caribbean leadership conference tell us a little bit about that because I'm, I'm getting really excited to hear what you'll say then I'm glad that you are. I, I, I think for me, the, the key element would be is that we have heard enough rhetoric about equity and social justice. Mm. And those of us who've been touched by it know at the, at the edge what it means for us. And never has there been a time in the history of the world where leaders are being called upon to leverage their power, their position and their privilege to bring real change in this world, to create this notion of a common humanity. The global pandemic has taught us that. Yes. So this is the stage where I think leaders need to stand up and do more than the talk, not follow the trend of black like me or all the things that sound good. And I think many of them are stuck in terms of how they do this. So for me, the, the focus of my talk would be on, so how do leaders who really want to bring equity into the workplace authentically what are some of the things that they can do right now, immediately after that conference to raise their awareness, to become aware of their unconscious biases and become activists and advocates for equity in the workplace? That's my... Yeah, problem. I love it. You know, so many times we go to conferences and we leave. It was nice. We have a nice feeling. And afterwards, it's like, yeah, what do we do now? So I love the idea that you have this call to action and you're answering the question, how do we do it? Because we all know what is the problem, as you so rightly said. So I'm thinking, so what made you contribute to this conference? So what are some of your reasons for showing up? Well, I must be honest, the first reason is because of you. <laughs> I love that. We I that's reason. <laughs> we, we work together and love the experience of sharing and co-creating. So, mm -hmm. and, and equity and this whole question talks so deeply to the work I do in South Africa right now, yeah. uh, in the communities that I work with. Yeah. And I think that across the world, the time is right for us to bring this into platforms that are not the normal platforms. Yes. Absolutely. It's not talk shop. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And I want to be in a space like that. That's where yeah. I want to be. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, what you shared there, Rama, is so much why I do the radio show, why it is I blog, or why it is that I am committed to it. So this whole idea of spreading the word of leadership, not just about a role in an organization. It is so important for each of us to take up our leadership mantle. And so I'm really encouraged when someone like you joins an idea that I have and we, you know, we could work together to co-create it. So I really want to thank you for, you know, joining this with me. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. I look forward to the conference, Maxine. Good. So that will bring us to the end of our interview. So I really want to thank Dr. Ramanaidu for showing up today and sharing a lot about himself and how he works in the spaces. And if you want to hear more from Dr. Ramanaidu, then make sure you sign up for the Gestalt Caribbean Leadership Conference. The theme this year is Leading with Equity. It takes place on April 29, 2021. If you want to learn more about it, check us out on Facebook. Or you can go to my website, maxinatong.com, or you can give me a call, 
We look forward to being with you. My intention with this program is to light your leadership spark so that together we can bring real change to the systems that we live, work, and play within. Thank you for listening. Tune in every Wednesday at approximately 6.35 p.m. for Leadership Unlearned with your host, Maxine Atong, as she invites you to suspend all that you believe and know about leadership. We challenge you to take this unlearning journey with us as we reframe leadership for our reality and to serve our vision as Caribbean people. For more information, follow Maxine Atong on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Maxine Atong or call 724-7642.